You're listening to episode 100 of the Mud Stories podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. I am so super excited to join you today. It's been a long time in coming, and I am so thankful that you're here to meet me in this place for the 100th episode. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to talk all through the mud of how it is when we walk through parenting with our kids through the elementary years, into the adolescent years, and beyond, what that looks like, what some of the mud is that we face as we um, try to stay connected to our teens. I have been working all summer on a very exciting new thing that I'm releasing today, and it is called Connecting with Your Teen. It's an e-course that has modules and videos and a membership with your own login and all of that. We're going to talk about that at the end. But before we do, I wanted to give you the link right here up front in case you want to check it out. It's going to be open for the next 10 days, and then we're going to close it, and we're going to go through this course together. I hope you're someone who can join me. For the next month, we're going to go through it together. And so you can find that right now at the link, connectingwithyourteen.com. All the information is there. And so to help me celebrate and to talk through all of the varying issues that we face when we're trying to stay connected to our kids as they're growing up, I've invited my cousin Heather to return to the show and join us. She was first here in episode 37 as her and I reminisce the beautiful life of Kara Tippett's. And today we're going to wade through some muddy water of the teenage years together. And I am so very glad she's back. Heather, welcome to the show. Hi there. Glad to be here. A hundredth episode. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I we are know. Like one. So it's been, I, when you just said two years, I can't believe it's been two years, but I know. Yeah. Why don't we talk about how we met? You actually became the wife of my cousin, Brad. A few years ago, I, being the labor and delivery nurse that I am, am assigned to work holidays, and you all got married on the 4th of July, and I was so disappointed not to get to go to your wedding, and so I didn't actually get to meet you then. Yeah, you have to remind me, now, when was the very first official time we met? Like, what was our official meeting? I think it was at my parents' 50th anniversary party. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I was thinking that's what it was, but I, yes, and you are one party thrower. (laughs) You That was so fun. Very high. (laughs) Yes. Well, for those of you who don't know, I I threw a 50th anniversary party for my parents a couple summers ago, and we had a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of food. Um, We played music and sang a ton of 50s music. It was super fun. And uh, you and Brad were there. So yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. Yeah. And we just hit it off. And you were like the Von Trapp, Tramp, Von Tramp family. How do you say that? Who, who, you're, <laughs> the Von Trapp. Trapp family, yes, from uh, Santa yeah. Music. That's what you were thinking? Yes. We're really not. We're really not. No, you really were. You just <laughs> incredible. You're singing through all your parents' basically life. Um, mm. Yeah, and I was so impressed with your 
creativity and your delivery. Your kids were perfect, actually, at that event. All of them looking all cute and performing amazing. <laughs> well, you and I both know what it takes to uh, threaten them behind the yeah. scenes. To make sure. Whatever you did, whatever <laughs> you did, they were just all were little angels that day. Oh. And yeah, that was really fun. And there was a lot of people and we didn't really get to talk that much there because you were busy hosting a party. But yeah, but we, what hit I lo- we hit it off so much. Yeah. And you were you were so encouraging to me about um, the podcast. You know, it was at the beginning of the show. You know, you put yourself out there. You talk by yourself in a in a room and you wonder, is anyone going to listen? And when you came up to me, it was like we had been best friends for like a long time. I think primarily because you'd gotten to know me through the show. And, and so we instantly connected. It was, it was, it's the power of audio and video. I think we can know one another and those people that we like to follow or be mentors for us. And, uh, it was just so connecting. It was, it was really amazing. Yeah, it was great. And I was, I am a big fan of your show. I think you give such a space for people just to show up and just, so that's why I'm a big fan of yours because I don't think there's a lot of places you can just be authentic and transparent and bring your mud and be okay. Well, thank you. So you must have been the first person I stumbled upon because I was your number one fan, always encouraging you to do more, (laughs) to go deeper. You have been. And in those times when I've been scared to release episodes that are maybe controversial or touchy topics or really, really hard topics, You've been so, I'll just text you and you're like, keep on keeping on. You can do it. And it's just been such a gift to me. So I would just want to publicly say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. So you and Brad have a crazy story before we talk about um, kids and raising these teenagers that we have, uh, which is the topic of our show today. I want you to tell everybody how you and Brad met because it really is a God story. And and your mud story, we're going to have to have you back another time because your mud story is an incredible mud story that God has worked in and through in you. So we have to hear the condensed version and we'll invite you back for the long version. But yeah. tell well, us just, tell us the journey at, that brought you and Brad together because it's just amazing. Yeah, well, Brad and I, as you said, we only got married four years ago. Um, I am now, I'm 46 and Brad is 48, but we had this incredible New Year's Eve date. We were 16 and 18, which sounds so funny to say it was incredible, but (laughs) both of us always remember this great date that we had. And then basically we lived these completely separate lives for a long time. I had kids, he didn't have kids. And basically, we had this crazy, we met on eHarmony of all places. We reconnected, I should say, on eHarmony, which I'm so not a fan of. I had been on for about two days and, you know, I opened my email and there was sitting the ever so handsome Brad Hamilton. And thank goodness for um, texting because I never would have called him. So I just sent him, I, I found his number via Google and texted him. And then we went out. So you remembered him from high school. Oh, my gosh. How could you not remember the Hamilton brothers? They're both so handsome. Well, that's true. I will say. Yes. Yes. And, you know, crazily enough, it is a very long story. But crazily enough, my grandma and his best friend lived next door to one another for 40 years. And so we stayed connected in each like a a circle. We, We stayed connected through my grandma and through his best friends, who they're amazing people. And um, I actually coached for a while. This is even a crazier layer of our story. 
and the Von Lossbergs, that is their name, um, they had an office where I coached. So I would see these people four or five times a week. And Brad was always at their house. So we stayed, yeah, we just stayed in one another's lives. And when we reconnected, it was perfect. I had kids, he didn't. My two boys at the time were three and five, five and a half. And their dad had passed away from cancer. And I, Brad always wanted kids. And I said, well, here you go. There's two of them right there. You can have them. They're great. <laughs> we like to say that Brad went from no kids to in one fell swoop, he went from to the youngest, the oldest, and the most, all in one day. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our story. And it, there's a lot in between, but that's the gist of it. And we just, yeah, it's great. I have a great marriage. I have a great, my kids are great. I'm in a good season right now. Yeah. So, so and, that's good. And just yet talk. it hasn't always been so, you know. Um, there's the richness you brought to our family. It's just been a gift in so many ways all the way around. So, yeah, what well, we love the part of it that we went out on uh, St. Patrick's Day was our first reofficial reconnected date. And we got married on July 4th. And people thought we were nuts. Mm-hmm. But it just was right. And I think because or I don't think I know because we had a history together and we had known one another. Because crazy can take a while to come out in that whole dating world. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't advise my children to go marry someone after, you know, three months. But, you know, he knew I wasn't crazy. Well, maybe I was crazy, but it was a good crazy. <laughs> I knew he definitely was not crazy. And it, it worked. Yeah. And there we go. There we go. Okay, so introduce us to your family as it is now. We know oh, we, we just heard about Brad. Yeah, we call Brad Brad the Rad Dad. Brad the Rad Dad. We just heard about sweet Brad and... um how many kiddos do you have and what are their ages? I have five. Lauren is 24. She is independent on her own out of the house. It's great. We get along amazing. I have a, I have Morgan. She's 17. She's a senior in high school. Then I have Christian, who's going to be 10 next week. I have Cash, who is seven, and Caleb, who is three. Sweet Caleb. And that Sweet is Caleb. God's gift to you and Brad. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so um, Heather, we've had many conversations about our older kids, much of which we can't publicly speak about because it's their stories. And I think that's the hard thing when we talk about parenting teenagers, parenting tweens. You know, when I say tweens, I'm like 11, 12, 13. Um, I call those the wannabe teenager years. And then we get to, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, the um, I know everything years. And I'm an adult, but I don't want to have any of the responsibilities of an adult. And then we get to the um, growing in intellect and smartness, 19, 20, 21 years. And then brilliant years, 24 and beyond. Um, Does that sound about right? That's about right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We have commiserated um, in the years that we've known each other about our growing children. And I think there are a lot of resources out there for parents of young kids, you know, babies, toddlers. I mean, you had a baby more recently than I did. You have a three-year-old. So there's a ton of gadgets and gizmos and advice and, you know, meeting at play dates with other moms and sippy cups and McDonald's and 
if you do that and all the things. But once they get to this tween stage, you know, they want cell phones, middle school, starting high school, it becomes really tricky to get the kind of support that we need because their stories are their stories, first of all. So we're sometimes not privileged to talk about it with people, except our in real life girlfriends. And then beyond that, our children's behavior sometimes we feel is a reflection on our competency or capability of being a good parent because we want to come across like we have everything together. Like we're good. Our pa- our kids are turning out well and that makes me look like I'm an amazing parent. And so when that isn't really happening, when that's not, you know, true, it feels really isolating and alone because there's this dilemma of how do we work through this and how do we talk about this with anyone? Those years are hard and they are hard to walk through gracefully, I think. Yeah. Who do you talk to? You don't, you know, like you said, go and hang out with your kids with sippy cups. I think that, you know, you go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Then you have to go to therapy. But um, yeah, it's a hard season. And thankfully, I have to say, Lauren 24, we're through the the hard parenting part of it. Now she just gets to go. It's her life. Right. And Morgan, I was just telling Brad yesterday that Morgan at 17, she's 17 and a half. She's a senior. For the last... I would say month, there has been this level of maturity that I see in Morgan. And I'm so suspicious too. I'm like, is she manipulating me? Is she trying to get away with something? Or is she genuinely being like, has she generally gotten through that awful teenage year, teenage season, I should say. And I do have to doubt my, even myself, I think, well, why can't I, why do I have to say, oh, she's manipulating me? Maybe she really is just growing up. Maybe all the things I've been pouring into her that she's fought she's embracing more, but it is hard. I'm it's so glad she's hard. out of it because I think someone took her at like 13 and took her captive and she's back now. Yeah. And that, that's been my experience. I mean, my oldest is 20, you know that. And it seems like 13, 14, a, a switch flipped and I found myself in a new place that I had no idea what just happened. I was like, mm-hmm. what, what just happened right now? Like you were my sweet, cuddly, compliant. And now suddenly you think I'm not smart. You think you know everything. And we're having, we're having complications. And let's start with talking about what's normal. Because I think half the battle is realizing and anticipating that that is going to happen. And it's normal. It's like we could take a deep breath and say, oh, this is a normal developmental stage. It's supposed to feel crazy. It's supposed to feel like that. And and I think parents with kids maybe, you know, in the five, six, seven, eight elementary years, as they anticipate hitting this age, there's sometimes apprehension and fear like, man, I want to stay connected to my children, but how am I going to do that? And our own insecurities start playing into the mix too. It's really complicated. So let's talk about the the parents who have kids who are heading into those tweenish, you know, early adolescent years and how we can recognize what normal is and really sit in it and not freak out. Well, the one thing that I think is really important and I remind myself with the younger ones is you have to lay the groundwork when they're like, if I think your parenting really, like you need to get some core things in them before those teenage years hit. So at least they know they believe you. Like my kids, fortunately, like my yeses are yes. And my no's are no's. Like we don't, we have things I will negotiate on some things, but they at least have enough respect when they go into those teenage years 
because I think sometimes we're backpedaling. We haven't laid enough groundwork for them to head into those teenage years. We're trying to play catch up. And my 24 year old Lauren, she would be my sounding board for some things with Morgan. And she would always tell me, I hated you too. It is normal. Like, just stay with it. (laughs) And it's really hard when your kids don't like you because you want them to like you and they're really mean to you. And I think if you just know that, that's all it is. They're pulling away from you. They don't want rules. They want to do what they want to do. And there are rules. My kids know like there are certain things in life. If you want to do those, you can do them because you're allowed to make choices. And I'm all about your choices. Like you can make choices, but if you choose to do adult activities, well, that means you get to be an adult and you can move out. I mean, that's extreme, but it's just you have to play by the rules where you're at. Like adults do adult things. And when teenagers do adult activities, nothing good comes out of it. You're a teenager. I think for me, it was hard because I was tempted when I got really difficult reactions, when I got resistance, when I when there was an argument that was escalating. I had a tendency, and I still do have a tendency to take it personally. Like, I was tempted to go down the spiral of engaging in the peer-to-peer kind of argumentation mode instead of recognizing, okay, this reaction they're giving me is normal because they're feeling lost, they're feeling unsure, they're feeling hormonal, they're feeling something's changing inside. And instead of me being a peer and engaging in this you know, setup, I need to be the adult. I need to be the one who recognizes this is what's going on in them and tries to see what it is in them that they're longing for. Because it really isn't about the yelling or the resistance. It's about they're afraid of what's happening to them. They they feel out of control. They're not sure, you know, what to do, where to turn. Uh, it, everything feels upside down as they hit this teenage time. And so to recognize normal, which is what I'm trying to do now, And say to myself, okay, instead of engaging in an argument or engaging in something escalating, how can I look underneath their reaction and see what it is they really need right now? And how can I stay calm and relaxed and know that this isn't about them attacking me? This is about them. And I need to be that solid, stable presence in their life that really helps them gain more confidence and maneuvering through this tumultuous time, really, because it's not about me. But I'm so, I fail at this constantly. Yeah, we ca- I call it adulting. Like, it's really hard to be an adult sometimes, to not engage with them and to pull back and just be the parent. It's hard. And, and that's where we have the beauty of our f- poor firstborn children get to be our test model. Right. And it is easier. They do hit your insecure buttons. And Morgan would say things to me that triggered something from when I was 20 years old. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I am reacting like a child Mm -hmm. to my child. I'm trying to parent. It's kind of like it's a merry-go-round and we would just, I, we just hop on that merry-go-round and go round and round. But, but when you hop the merry-go-round and they're the only ones spinning around, it's a lot easier. A lot easier. And yet it takes us to be able to be the ones to jump off the merry-go-round first. And I think, well, for me, because Morgan's dad and I are divorced, it's that thing where I really struggle is being the unpopular parent because I'm hmm. a little, her dad is great. And I, I don't want Morgan to do the things I have done. 
It's like, I've already taken the field trip, learn this in the classroom, please. Mm -hmm. And so I sometimes parent from this place if I don't want my child to be how I, to turn out like me. Not that I've turned out bad, but to walk through some things that I have had to walk through. And, and so with all their way of communicating nowadays, I mean, it's so exhausting. I think checking all these, you know, Snapchats and Twitter and why are you texting about, you know, they can go into their room and then they have a whole mode of communication that we are not privileged to. And that's a hard thing to parent. That's a hard thing. Yeah. The whole electronics thing is a whole nother topic. It takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be used for good. I think, I think there are definite tools on that can be used for good. It's just this teenage years, they just go dark and I've only had girls go through it. So we're opposite. I, I'm hoping the boys are easier because <laughs> girls are tough. Girls are tough. Boys are hard too, though, because they are, um, in my experience, not as communicative. So for me, a lot of tricks to get my son to communicate with me involved driving in the car places because when you were doing a shoulder-to-shoulder activity um, – playing Xbox with them, driving them somewhere, cooking together, any of those things, it seems like that's when they'll talk. They won't talk when you say, let's talk. Let's go have a yogurt and talk. Yeah, yeah. no, no that, no, that totally, in my experience, does not work with boys. Yeah. And so that's what I found so heartbreaking about when he got his driver's license because then he drove himself. And I don't know what I was thinking on not realizing that that would be difficult, but man, that threw me for a spin for a while because suddenly all those hours of shoulder to shoulder time in the car um, weren't there anymore. And so it's really making me be more intentional with my younger ones to seize moments more readily than mm-hmm. um, take them for granted. Because in these exhausted years, when that switch flips and 12, 13, 14 starts to happen, sometimes you feel like, you don't really like them. You don't really want to be around them. They're annoying and irritating and it's difficult. And I know remembering back, like they're your baby and they were so loving and gentle and all those squeezable, huggable times. It's sort of sad that you start to not like them. And I think, I don't know, am I normal? (laughs) I sound terrible that sometimes maybe I don't like them. I would tell my girls that, don't make me ground you because I don't want you home any more than you want to be home. Like, don't think you're doing me any favors. Like, I can't, yeah, I can't stand them sometimes. And I tell them, like, wow, you are rough. Good luck. Like, I will warn your husband one day. Good luck with this. Like, it, they're awful. It's hard. It's hard because they they <laughs> are um, trying to find their way to independence. And they're pretty convinced that we're not super smart, But I think knowing that's normal, and of course we're generalizing. I mean, maybe there are some people listening out there that have amazing teenagers and never had any of these experiences. I'm kind of doubting it. Maybe they're in denial if that's the situation. But if that is the situation, awesome. (laughs) I think it is normal. They're growing up. And I think, you know, as parents, it's just our job to model. Like our, our kids cannot be what we are not. So, so if I'm parenting my child as this broken, you know, not redeemed, not accepting God's love, not leaning into God's grace, if I'm just telling my children to do that, but I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, that's where I have completely let the reins go a lot on Morgan, because I have 
told her she knows right from wrong. She has a great head on her shoulders, or at least she appears to. And some things that I would hold so dear before that I would not let her do, I'm like, she, it's her life. They are her decisions. And I love her, and I want the – I don't even know if I can say I want the best for her, more as I want her to walk in where God has her going. Mm-hmm. And I have to let her go to do that. And if she makes bad decisions, they're her decisions. And that is the hardest thing for me to let go of because we want our families to look perfect. We right. want them to look – because my kids, I think, really are scared of me <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> Healthy fear, yeah. They really believe, not scared of me, but more of like they believe what I say. Mm-hmm. You know, when your kids will put pictures that you should not put online on their Facebook pages, I would threaten my kids, like, I'm telling you, you put those up and I will put them on our Christmas card and send them out. And instead of having like your annual, our family's great and Johnny's in kindergarten doing... You know, and, and and Morgan's doing great in volleyball. I would be like, wow, look at these look at these children. Please pray for us all year. Here's our Christmas card. Look what a mess. We are falling apart. You totally would too. Oh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like like look, someone buy this kid some clothes. Like, you know, our teenage girls, for me, th- this is my biggest struggle is you know, their brains are growing and their bodies are growing, but their clothes are getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> totally. That, oh my word. I refuse, like, that is one of my, like, you cannot walk around with no clothes on. Mm -hmm. I cannot drop you off at school looking like that. Yeah. And those have been our biggest to-the-mat arguments. Mm -hmm. And I just will not. Like, I will, that is one area I just won't negotiate. You cannot walk around with, you know, your cute little bottom hanging out of your shorts. Period. Right. Right. It's a non-negotiable Non-negotiable, completely non-negotiable. And yet the view from their side is that we're unreasonable. But here's the thing, you know, if we get caught up in engaging in that kind of argument with them and it becomes an all-out war because it can de-escalate really, really fast, I think then we lose the adultness and the character that we'd like for them to grow into because we are, in essence... um, engaging in a battle that's really not a battle to be had. It's, it's yeah, a, and, and it's a normal phase in life. And once you recognize that this is just how it is, and this is their form of exercising the little control that, you know, they really right, have. Right. And now I was just talking to Lauren about this. It is so funny to me. So now Morgan, I can barely get Morgan to brush her hair. I'm like, you're going to go to school looking like that? Like she, you know, we go from one extreme to where they wear too much makeup in ninth grade and, you know, trying hard to now it's like five minutes before school, she's supposed to leave and she just rolls out the door. (laughs) They will come back. (laughs) And I just, all the time that is just, you get caught up. It's it's normal. And it's just normal. And And as long as they know why, you know, like we just don't, look like that only because it's not good for you that is not your image to the world right like with the clothes and that for me is I mean I think most parenting parents of teenagers you know it's sex drug and rock and roll that freak us out Mm -hmm. that that is the part that scares me and and if you have healthy conversations which we do all the time about all of that and why I don't want you dressing like that and why alcohol is dangerous, not why you shouldn't, you know, not that you're bad for doing it or thinking about it or entertaining it, but let's 
think of the consequences and really talk about the consequences and what happens when we start doing that. Absolutely. And that starts way before 12 happens. Way before. And it just way makes before. It part of daily um, conversations. I mean, I, Morgan has had, well, both my girls have had boyfriends. And I think if anyone ever heard the conversations I have had with them and their boyfriends sitting on my couch, they would maybe fall over. <laughs> Okay, you have to tell us. You can't say that and not tell us. Oh, it is. um, Yeah, I just I believe in uncomfortable conversations. I mean, is it highly (laughs) awkward to look at your beautiful child sitting on the couch thinking, oh, my gosh, you know what they're going to do or entertain to do or think about doing. Because we've been that age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I just believe that if you have conversations, like if you make the words come out of their mouth and verbalize it. We take the mystery out of it. Mm-hmm. We take the, um, yeah. So Morgan had this one really nice kid and I had to leave. And so they were going to be my, the little boys were here, but, um, I had to leave and I just sat them both down and said, okay, Morgan, you know, do you want to have any sort of sexual relations with, you know, this boy? <laughs> And she's like, mom, mom, and I'm like, I'm, we're going to do this. I'm like, Jesus loves you. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. Like it's, I don't really, I just, you're 16 and it's not going to bring anything except confusion and turmoil into your life because a broken heart at 16 is very hard to walk through. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think you can emotionally handle any of this. And so we had this conversation about what parts of the body to touch and what happens if you kiss and a tongue goes in your mouth? And Morgan, I'm, if she could have crawled under the couch, <laughs> I think she would have died. And, and he was sitting right there. Yeah. And you know what was amazing? He told me when I left, like, that was a great conversation. <laughs> it's like, well, good. And remember what, you know. Glad I, to provide that for you. Because I think, you know, girls, if you if they can, in a safe space to a boy, just be like, I just want you to tell me I'm, you know, great and adore me. And yeah, and, and boys right. are, I think, a little wired a little differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for Morgan, because I mean, I'm really hard with her on this stuff. But I think now she actually sees that it's for her good. I'm not trying to be a fun sucking parent. Right. I, I'm not trying to like, I'm actually just trying to protect her because she's not mature enough to make these decisions. But as we talk about it more, she gets really mature about it. It surprises me sometimes. I think they they take in more about these kind of conversations than we realize. I think um, I had to have a conversation with my son when he was in high school. And I told him, he was probably 16. We were standing in the kitchen one afternoon. And I just said, hey, babe, I just want to bring something up to you because... I know you're starting to like go to movies sometimes just for a couple hours or drop you off on a Friday or whatever. And, you know, I really care about you and I care about your heart. And we've talked about before that sometimes girls are not so secure in their identity and they just want to feel appreciated and adored and they're looking for affection for whatever reason. They're dressing kind of, you know, scantily in a sense to try to get attention and it can be a real hang-up and he's like oh mom you do not have to tell me sometimes I can't I I just I get so distracted because of how they're they look I'm like I know babe I know it's so hard and yet you need to realize that these girls sometimes need you to be strong and protect them from themselves 
And so I just want you to know if any girl offers to unzip your pants or do anything <laughs> to you, I need you to say the words, zip it up now, the answer is no. And I made, <laughs> I made him repeat that phrase out loud to me. And I think he was sort of a little like, he is always rolling his eyes at me because since he's been five, I've told him that I'm a nurse and we talk about all these things. And, you know, I've shown him pictures of STDs and like, if I could have taken him on a field trip to the public health clinic, I would have, you know? So he's always telling me, or he was always telling me in those years, mom, I already know everything. You already told me everything. Like, I don't get gross on me right now. You know, I made him watch a birth when I was having the other kids, just the whole thing. But I think just talking, like you said, just just talking about it like it's no big deal, saying the things that you imagine are going through their minds, and then they realize, you know what, this is not taboo to not talk about, and don't don't we want as parents for them to process it with us? I mean, there, there'll be a tendency that they don't want to process it with us, but if we go first and set the precedent, there'll be more of a chance that they will. And then when those failures do happen, when those mistakes do happen, you know, they'll be more open and willing to confide in us and we can be there for them instead of it be a secret life that they live separate from us. And also sharing with them our failures so that they don't have the view that we're perfect. Because I think your love for Morgan in protecting her comes from a place of your own failure and mistakes too. Oh, definitely. 100%. And I have, I, I use myself, I am the example. And it's just like, because I'm honest with her about my failures, I'm not on a pedestal. I'm already been there. And I'm just trying to protect her from it and make her talk through things. And that, that I learned somewhere that when you keep, I, maybe you told me, when you keep thoughts in your head and never verbally speak them, they stay in that middle part of your brain, mm -hmm. which is your fantasy land or your mm -hmm. something like that. Yep. But when you actually make them talk, it all of a sudden logic comes into it. Yeah. And the so, power is lost. The, the, the power is lost. Yeah. And so when I can talk to Morgan about, you know, girls get their hearts broken and, you know, Morgan is allowed to have a boyfriend, but the boyfriend is to stay in the boyfriend category. It doesn't all of a sudden become your life and your reason for living and all of your, you know, value comes in a boy. Mm -hmm. if, if that's what happens, then we aren't, then a boyfriend is not even in the picture because yeah. you're making that boy, your God. And that boy is 16, 17 years old and you are going to suck the life out of him and yeah. get your heart broken. Totally. Totally. And the thing is this kind of mentality can, we can start infusing this into our kids and talking about these things way before 12 ever happens. You oh, know? it's a great thing as you I'm sure will agree with when you have a lot of kids, it's so funny because Lauren and Morgan, we talk about what well, they talk about, how all these girls are going to like the boys and how they're going to protect their brothers. And we just laugh at like some girl is going to think Christian is going to like save her and rescue her. And they're like, it's Christian. You know, there's <laughs> like, are you serious? So it's, it's interesting how as much as our kids pull away from us, one time with Morgan, it was two Christmases ago, because I remember I was listening to some of your podcasts at the time, and I had found some text messages on her phone that were about me, that were the meanest things you could ever say. And she was saying them about me to someone else. Oh, I was... So hard. I, my feelings were so hurt, and 
I came into her room. This this was when I really was mature. I was very proud of myself because I just wanted to go into her room and lay into her mm-hmm. and ground her and take her phone. And But I, I had this moment of maturity. It doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> it was a good day. <laughs> rare moment. And I walked into her room and I actually said, you know, Morgan, I need to talk to you about something, but I really need to pray before I talk to you because I just, I need to get my head on. Because I really want to like strangle you right now, but I want to connect with your heart and I want to move through something. Oh, it was a terrible conversation. And so what I did, and this I think was our breaking point. I think this is when she started to come back a little bit. I made her read those text messages to me, Mm -hmm. like read what she said and the language she Mm -hmm. used. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of text messages Mm -hmm. and she read them out loud to me and she's just crying mm-hmm. as she's reading because all of a sudden it's not just some silly text message like you're telling your mom but it was really mean yeah and I just told her I really loved her and she really hurt my feelings it, that was a very hard and it was really because you want them to like you and when your kids say these terrible horrible things about you that's when you just have to remind yourself who God says I am mm-hmm. and who I really am and okay. she's not to be 15 or 16 forever She's going to be 30 or 40 and she's going to remember that one time, you know, that's kind of my motto with my kids. They're not always 15. They're going to be 30. And I love that you're bringing that up because if we give in to the downward spiral and engage, like if you would have had an all out yelling match and gotten all immature about it and, you know, cussed her out back and all the things, um, she wouldn't have ever forgotten that. She would not have ever forgotten that. But because you chose to be calm, be relaxed, be the adult, be mature. And I think that's so important because if we can see our kids as that 35-year-old mother of our grandchildren instead of the 15-year-old standing in front of us, and if we can spend more time working on our own hearts, our own character, spending our own time with God, asking God to refine our character through our kids, because no matter how stellar of a past we've had, you know, um, no matter how rocky or how you know, solid it's been, we still have issues inside of our own selves. And God is going to use our kids to refine our character and push our buttons and lean on him more. And are we going to choose to go to God, spend time with God, believe what his word says about who we are and our identity and that we're loved and we're chosen and we're forgiven. And, and this has nothing to do with needing to be liked by our children or not, you know, because we're tempted to go into that mantra, I've done everything for you. And you you just have no appreciation for all that I'm giving you. Do you know what a sacrifice it was for me to take you to blah, 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 blah. You know, we just, again, that ends up being all about us, right? Because we want to feel validated. We want to feel appreciated. But that's not where we're supposed to get our validation and appreciation from our teenagers. We're supposed to get that from God. And yes. and so if we can live in that place and see, stay stable with the Lord, and see our kids as they're going to be someday, not as they are, it helps take some of the escalation out of it and some of the emotion out of it for us to stay calm and stable and react like you did. And they'll remember that. They'll remember, wow, my mom back then, I deserved so much. And she gave grace and patience and calmness. And they are, like you said, going to become who we are instead of do what we, what we say. 
that's yeah. so, so key yeah. to keep that in mind. Being mature is, I think, the key to it. I mean, that sounds, obviously, we're older, but really being grace-filled mm-hmm. with our kids and just building them up and just reminding ourselves. I think I told you, when you called the other day, and this is so silly, and this is just my weird thing, that when Morgan comes back to her from her dad's house, I always make sure, like, even if she doesn't make her bed, which she doesn't, I make sure her room, like, has a candle lit and her bed is made, so she'll always remember when she came you know, when she was here that, oh, my mom wasn't nagging me for things mm-hmm. that really don't matter. Mm-hmm. But I could, I would get stuck on that sometimes. And I just started, it, it was just something that for me, I just feel like there's so much chaos sometimes in their life that I at least want, like her room is a calm place. It's peaceful. Somewhere. It's yeah. yeah. That's just something that I do. I love Cause that. Always, yeah. They're not always here. And then when they're gone, the way I like to raise them, they're gone, gone. Like, don't come back. Lauren comes back. It's just a matter of she has her job and she has her life. And um, it's more like how we go to our parents. It's it's not like we're moving back in, right? Well, yeah, and it's with Lauren and Morgan, I have a, I have lots of mottos with them. But I really want them to be able to afford themselves. Mm-hmm. So, like, I am not, like, if you need to get your nails done, then get a job. Like, it. it because I set them up like just I am not you really need to understand like don't get stuck in all the fluff and you don't need all this all these distractions and if you really need them then I mean seriously get a job you can buy whatever you want but I am not just gonna give you unlimited funds and it's great watching Lauren now she is so good with money she colors her own hair if she needs to. She does her own nails. And they're quite resourceful, actually. There's YouTube videos out there to do everything. Totally. Yeah. They can do hair and nails and makeup all off of YouTube. Totally. So, and, yeah. And it's really, it's really such a joy-filled space to watch our kids in their 20s because I think the switch flips back. And like you were saying about Morgan, she's back. You know, is she back? Is she really back? Like, <laughs> yeah, and, I just... If we can keep that perspective and not get our own selves and our own character in a bundle in the midst, in the meantime, um, it's going to be such a stable thing for them. We're really called to be calm, relaxed, and mature and meet our children's need, not require them to meet ours. And I think that's what makes the teenage years so tumultuous is because for so long we've gotten into a rut when they're little of accidentally getting our needs met by them. They hug us. They appreciate us. They think we're amazing. They want to be with us and hang out with us. And we start to rely too much on that. And then it changes and we get hurt. We get hurt feelings. And what we need to realize is, wow, you know, they're not here to meet our needs. We're here to meet theirs. And um, it's a character refining process, wouldn't you say? Very much so. And you just, it's so, it's about like control. And when we just give up the control, we're trying to micromanage these kids. I mean, even, even with Morgan, I I think, especially when you're a Christian parent and you, you know, you think you need to do devotions and all this stuff with your teenage kids and they start to go off the deep end. (laughs) More annoying to them. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. This is so dumb. This is so dumb. And you know what? I have just died to all of that. And now I'm just... In my own life, I just model. I just model the way you should be, mm-hmm. or try to with them. And now I think I've gone too far. My kids think I'm crazy. Like every homeless person, every person that needs help, they go, "Go pick them up. Go do this. Go do that." But 
to me, that works so much better than sitting down awkwardly with your 16 year old doing a devotion. They're (laughs) certain seasons of life. Like I bought Morgan a great book at the beginning of the summer. Kisses from Kate about that girl that adopted those. I don't think she made it past the first chapter. Hmm. And I tried to make her read it one day and I just thought she doesn't want to read it. She would rather be on Twitter. And you know what? It's a season of her life. Yeah. And you will love this because Lauren and Morgan went up to Seattle and Lauren sent me a video of Morgan bawling because she was reading Kara Tippett's book. Uh. <laughs> I, I kind of was like, when they're ready for things, they're ready for things. And just yes. because at a season of my life doesn't mean my child wants to sit down and do a half hour devotion every day with me. She's not there. Right. And for us to not get offended by that and not think we're failures because it doesn't need to be this structured thing. Really, it's relationship. We are modeling who to become and we're a stable, steady presence girding, undergirding their effort to fly, really. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think... I think the times where it's a more frustrating experience for me are the times when, honestly, I'm making it all about me. When I'm making it all about me. And that's so hard to admit, Heather, because I want I want it to be about them and how they should step to it and do what I need them to do. And yet I hear that small voice in my head saying, okay, who's the adult here? You know, who's the adult here? And this interaction, this season with kids through adolescence does not really have to be terrible. It can really actually be wonderful. And guess what? I have a lot more power than I realize to influence it in a positive way. Are they going to make dumb decisions? Yes. But our reactions to that make so big of a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, you mentioned Kara Tippett's. I think that was back on episode 37. We had that conversation Okay. And um, I thought maybe, you know, to close out the show today to celebrate 100 episodes. I mean, we talked a lot about connecting with our teen, which I have a course that's releasing. It's my humble offering to join others, to have others join us in this journey through adolescence, to connect with our teens, to just be a resource. My heart is that it would be a resource for parents, for moms and dads walking through these teenagers together. And that's what I'm so excited about this course because I really want to come alongside each other and I want it to be a community of people that we cannot feel crazy. It'll be a private place where if our kid is doing something crazy and we're tempted to cuss them out when they text badly about us, we can come to this place online and go, hey guys, this this is what's happening right now. Like, talk me down off the ledge. Like, help me out and let's know that I'm not crazy. I'm going to make it through this. Help me see my 15-year-old as a 30-year-old and help me be who she or he needs me to be. That's really my heart behind the course. And that's why you're so great because if as long as you... Sometimes you just need someone to come alongside you and give you a little bit different perspective or tell you just to hang in there. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. You just need to come at it a different angle. And I love that. And that's what I want to do. So I'm super excited. Um, Just maybe we can end the show by reminiscing about some of the favorite, maybe there were a few favorite shows that you remember in the 99 that we've done. Let me see. I wrote down who there. Let me get I have a note. Um, Let's see. Oh, is it Karen Christensen? Karen Christensen, yes. Oh, oh gosh, I remember. Sweet I was, Karen. 
on a walk and she was two episodes, correct? Yes. Oh, and that first episode and she talks about her childhood. I know. She was the one that was chained to a bed. Was that her? Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Brutal. That was episodes 39 and 40. And all of these episodes, if we mention them, you can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 39 and forward slash episode 40. Those are the two that, that you're referring to, Heather. Yeah. But yeah, Karen's story. What a powerful story of God's redemptive love. Yeah, I really, that was a really hard one. And I think one of your first, it was one of your first few because I was cleaning my closet. I'm like, oh, I'll turn Jackie on. I'm doing mindless, you know, organizing the closet. And it was when, was it Lisa Joe Baker? Yes. It's, it's about the bait, or it was you. You had, you talked about how you were at work and that baby had died and you were reading mm-hmm. in her book. About. Yes. Oh, I'm remembering that now. Yeah. Lisa Jo Baker was episode three. And I only know that because I'm looking at the list right now. Um, I certainly don't have them memorized. But yeah, I remember that she, um, Lisa Jo wrote a book about motherhood, which is a really good book to bring up. Um, it's called Surprised by Motherhood. It's a fantastic book all about her journey of never thinking she ever wanted to be a mother to um, being changed in all the most beautiful, hard, messy ways through becoming a mother. She has three kids, two boys and a girl. But um, I had the privilege of reading her book early before it released, and uh, I was at work. And it was just a beautiful moment to be able to speak into the life of a mom whose baby was dying. And, um, yeah, so she powerful. That. She wrote that. I can't remember, but that was so – I just sat on my floor just – falling. I was like, Oh my gosh, this came out of nowhere. I was not planning on being emotionally wrapped up. I was just looking at something to entertain my mind for a little bit. It's like clean your closet with Jackie and we'll cry. <laughs> the, um, oh, Lisa Jo, she's sweet, sweet, sweet friend. Lisa Baker.com. And Shannon Etheridge is great. Mm, isn't she? I relate to all like all of her past sexual lives and mm-hmm. that's her, right? Is that the yep, right name? That's her. Yeah. Shannon is incredible. She is a counselor and she, her, her real, you know how people have like something that they are known for online. She's known for sexual integrity and um, spiritual connection with God because she believes that our sexuality and our spirituality are so intimately intertwined and um, her material is just so great. And she has a podcast. You know, I have to tell you, Shannon never minces words. She is not afraid to say any sexual word there is <laughs> on air or off. It's really um, refreshing, actually. Because um, I think that what you just said is so true. And, and that is a lot how I parent because I believe there's sexual integrity. And what, what did you say? Sexual integrity and, and spiritual or- intimacy with God. Yeah, they're it's very so- intertwined. Yeah, I just, I really feel like our teenagers, when they start dabbling, this is totally off topic. You're probably going to edit no, this part. It's to- no, it's totally I- on topic because you're making me think of Shannon's book called um, Every Woman's Battle. Every Young Woman's Battle oh is what gosh. it's called. And oh, it, get that. Yeah, it talks about her. She's written a ton of, she has a book for young women, single I didn't women. Know she had, I didn't yeah. know there was a and it's called Every Young Woman's Battle, and it talks about sexual integrity, and that actually is a really good book for adolescents. 
it's just sometimes I think it's hard to get them to read stuff, you know, so then we can read it and just slight, you know, slowly infuse it and sprinkle it into our conversations with them. I think that works really, really well. Um, and Shannon also wrote a book, Preparing Your Daughter for Every Woman's Battle. And it's for moms of kid, young girls who are ages 8 to 12. And that's a really good one if you're struggling with how to talk about sexuality with your young child and being able to get to a place where it's a comfortable enough conversation that you can sit on your couch with your 16-year-old daughter and her date and talk about, now, do you want to do sexual things together? Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you might not want to dive into that if you've never brought that up before. <laughs> We we could role play. I could I could prepare you on some words to say uh, or some conversations to have. Um, And when you have these conversations with your kids and then they open up to you and tell you about some of the ways people use social media sexually in middle school, even nowadays, it is mind blowing. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And that's where for all of us, if we can pour you know, truth and love and grace into our kids, then they're going to be going to school, pouring that into their friends. And they are going to help someone because some of these kids out there, like I am one of like a mission field. I I don't need my child to have good friends. I mean, I obviously want her to have a good, you know, circle of friends, but I'm okay with bringing in, you know, the so-called riffraff kids, like bring them in and love on them. Yeah. Show them a different way. Mm Mm-hmm. When we parent our kids in a grace-filled way and a really loving way, they just go out into the world, and that's what they are to people, and that's how people get changed. That's how people get changed. Like I don't need my kids to follow rules. It's not about rules. It's about your heart, and it's about what's going on inside of you, and what are you trying to get from this guy and your boyfriend? So, totally, totally. Oh. And I found um, Shannon's other episode was episode 65. So she was episode three and 65. So good. And one of the other episodes that I just loved was Alan and Leslie Chambers. Yes. Exodus. Exodus. And Mm -hmm. one reason, well, a lot of reasons, but I I think even in, in their story, we can start. It kind of reminds me of what God does when grace comes into your life is we can live our lives and hold these things that we think are so true, even like with our parenting. And then all of a sudden God, you know, turns you upside down and changes a lot of things and you just come out different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I loved their being able to be so vulnerable and admitting that maybe we were wrong. I love that. That in parenting also, I mean, it's such a good parallel because sometimes we have to go to our kids and say, you know what? I was wrong and I'm sorry. That's so powerful. Alan and Leslie, I just looked it up. They were episodes 78 and 79. And yeah, I just feel like that episode that they did is a really good example for us in any area of our life to be able to look at something a little bit different and to open yourself up to other other ways of seeing God and other ways of healing people and connecting with people. I, I, I just really liked the message that not everything is as black and white as we think. And I, for me, parenting five kids, I just can see how I've softened in so many areas Mm -hmm. 
and learned in so many areas. And, and other things that I thought I never would have mattered to me matter more than the things I held on to so tightly. It's, it's controlling everything. Yeah. And that's, so that's the challenge. Yeah. Not knowing that God is ultimately in control and us working on our character and relying on him, staying calm and being examples. That is really the key to enjoying this season. I mean, I'm sure there's more keys. I don't have the end all answers, but, um, I've lived a little bit of life. So have you, and it's, it brings you to a place where you realize, wow, like <laughs> I'm the one that needs to be having my character cultivated, not necessarily my teenagers, although they do too, for sure. Well, friend, I'm so glad you were able to join me on this hundredth episode. I don't know that there is anyone else I would have wanted to celebrate it with. And just talking about our teens and this whole season of parenting teenagers is so hard, but I feel so not alone in being able to hash all of it through with you. And I mean, there's just so much more we could talk about, but, um, I thought, is there anything in closing that you want to add that maybe we didn't cover you think is really, would be really encouraging to somebody out there today who maybe is heading into a season of teenagers or right in the thick of it. Yeah. I I would say one thing that I really try and keep in the front of my mind is, you know, when we have our kids and they're not here for very long, you know, 18, 20 years or however long, we don't have them for very long. And as we recognize that really we're helping them work out like their brokenness. And I think teenagers, you see a lot of, you know, there's a lot of broken parts to us. In teenage years, a lot of stuff comes up. And if we don't deal with all that brokenness in their teenage years, they have such a hard time walking into adulthood being whole. And if we can work this out when they're younger and give them the tools and give them the truth and love and grace, it just makes their adult life a lot easier. You know, that you're working things out. If you just take, I, I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, but I just feel like in your, it's our job to help give them a strong foundation. And when you give someone a strong foundation, they're going to break away. And you just have to know that in 10 years, you're going to see the fruits of it because it doesn't come right away. It doesn't come right away. And yet that, that independent flying that we're preparing them to do this whole time, when that finally does happen, it's such a bittersweet moment because as difficult and tumultuous as the teen time is, it can also be so incredibly connecting and beautiful because when we go through hard things with people, it bonds us. And, and then when they have, um, begun to arrive at that independent place that we've been training them for all this time and they actually do launch, oh man, so hard, so hard. hard. And sometimes even with our kids, I do this, I'll just sit in that awkward moment where they're mad, you're mad, and you don't even need to say anything. Just hang out in their room for 10 minutes longer. And touch, touch goes a long way too. I mean, it's hard to be mad at someone when you're touching them. Yeah. You know, so I use that a lot too, but so good. So good. Well, thanks for being in it with me. Thanks for being that friend I can text and call and commiserate with and all the private ways. And I just publicly am so thankful for you and who you are in my life. And I wish for everyone in their life as they go through this season of teenagers to have some some friend that they can text and talk to about the in real life things because we need we need each other we really really do so so all right friend well 
thanks again for being here and I'm super excited and thanks for being in my course too. I'm, I'm thankful that you're there and interactive and I know that whoever joins us in community there, you'll, uh, you'll be in there offering encouragement too. So thankful for that. Congratulations to you on a hundred episodes, five kids and a hundred episodes. You are amazing. And you deliver babies, babies. <laughs> podcast by night. You're incredible. Oh, you're the best. I'm so thankful for you. Have an amazing day, friend. You too. Well, that's all for this episode. I am so thankful for you for joining me here each and every week for your patience in my release of this episode and really for celebrating with me in your heart this milestone that is um, something I could have not really imagined when I started. And I'm just so, so thankful. And especially to all the people who have come on the show in all of the episodes and shared their mud with us so that we could find hope in whatever mud we're facing. I'm so grateful. So today the e-course is launching. I am so excited and I would love nothing more than you to join me inside that course. Uh, I want to give you a few little details. I will also be over on Facebook on my page um, this whole entire next week um, talking about uh, things about parenting teens and issues that we're facing. So you you can always catch me over there at facebook.com forward slash Jackie Watkins. But I wanted to tell you, um, you can find all the links to this new e-course and all the information that you need to know about it at the link connectingwithyourteen.com. I've written it all out there for you and all of your questions hopefully will be addressed. And I just... I long for you if this is something that you feel like you need connection, you are lonely and needing um, inspiration and help and just a community of people to join you through what you're facing in your parenting. I would love, love, love for you to join us. So again, you can get there by going to connectingwithyourteen.com. The cart is going to be open for 10 full days. And then on Saturday, October 8th at midnight Eastern Standard Time, the cart is going to close. And whoever has joined the course, we're going to go through it together in four weeks. In in the middle of October to the end of November, we're going to meet there in the course, in the comments of the course, in the closed Facebook page. We're going to interact with with one another and support one another and talk through these issues. We're going to have some Facebook Live with me within that closed private group. And then also I have asked six mentor moms to join me, moms who have kids between um, five kids up to 10 kids they have, and they have had amazing experience through the adolescent years, and we're going to be joining them on some live calls and doing some question and answer and just learning from them and gleaning from their wisdom and experience, and I can't wait. I'm hoping to learn so, so much from them, and they're so inspiring and gracious to agree to join us in that place. So if parenting is a muddy place for you and you're finding yourself feeling alone and maybe you're not as connected to your children as you want to be, or you find yourself irritated and annoyed some of the things and situations that you're facing and you really long to be different. You long to to do that adulting that Heather talked about. I would love for you to join me. So head over there, connectingwithyourteen.com and I can't wait to see you inside the course. So until next week, I just want you to know I'm so very thankful for you. And if you are new to this show, if you would go peruse all the previous episodes, it's my prayer that you would find stories that are real and transparent and muddy. 
but that show you and highlight the redemptive work that God does in and through our lives, no matter what it is we're facing. And so whatever it is that you're facing today, I want you to know you are so very loved and you are never, ever alone. Have a beautiful day.